Your father is sorry. He had to work. He said he was gonna be here. He promised. I know. I know, but he, he promises that he's gonna see you tomorrow. Okay? He's gonna pick you up from school. All right? Absolutely. Um, could you spare some? Yes, I could. Uh, will ya? Hi, Mr. Reed. Like the new dress? Whatever it takes to focus off your head. <laughs> What's up, Fletcher? Your cholesterol. Fatty. Dead man walking. Hey, Fletcher. Hey, you're not important enough to remember. What's it gonna be, Mr. Reed? A pockmark, eventually. Don't ask. For God's sakes, don't ask. All right. You can beat this. It's all a matter of willpower. Test. Something small. Red. Red. All right. Now focus. The color of this pen is. <laughs> the color of this pen is red. pulled you over. Depends on how long you were following me. Why don't we just take it from the top? Here goes. I sped. I followed too closely. I ran a stop sign. I almost hit a Chevy. I sped some more. I failed to yield at a crosswalk. I changed lanes in the intersection. I changed lanes without signaling while running a red light and speeding. Is that all? No. I have unpaid parking tickets. Be gentle. Good morning. Well, I'm not sure how many of you guys have seen the entirety of that movie, Liar Liar with Jim Carrey. But besides being just hilarious, um, one of the things that strikes me is that it kind of reinforces this subtle idea that telling the truth in every situation is really not good. I mean, to just brutal honesty is not a good idea. And actually, this is very much what... Um, common per perception is today about telling the truth and lying. There was actually a study done in 2006 by the Associated Press, and what the study found was that 65% of the people who were surveyed said that it's not always wrong to tell a lie. It's not always wrong. So what basically that tells us is that two out of three people believes it's not always good to tell the truth. 
That's what we're going to look at this morning is uh, the subject telling the truth to each other. And we're going to look at, well, what does the Bible have to say? We know kind of what the American public would think on this issue. But what does the Bible say? What does God say about this issue of the truth? And how does either telling the truth or lying, uh, how does that impact us? And how does that impact our relationships? So before we go any further, why don't we start with a word of prayer? Do you join me? God, we just thank you for uh, bringing us here this morning. And uh, Lord, we are, we're going to dive in and look at a, a bunch of uh, verses in the Bible. Just speak to us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. So um, as John said, we are in the final part, part eight of our uh, series on the eight essentials of great relationships. And um, we've been looking that these are all tied together by one thing that's like the secret. If we remember nothing else from this series, what is the secret to great relationships? It's one word. What is it? Begins with an L. Yes, love. Love. And, it's, and here's the kicker. If this is your first time or maybe you haven't been here in a while, here, here is what, what this comes down to. It's not what the dictionary defines love as, which is what? A, a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love, as we look at in the Bible, is not a feeling. It is a determined act of the will. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. And we keep beating that drum, so hopefully we, we get that message. And we've been trekking through 1 Corinthians verse uh, chapter 13, and um, we've been looking at these 15 decision points, these 15 actions. It tells us, quite frankly, here's all the things that love does. Here are the decisions that love makes. And so today, we're concluding our series by looking at 1 Corinthians 13, 6, which says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And what we're going to explore today is this idea that great relationships, healthy relationships, are predicated on telling the truth to one another. Psalm 34, 12 and 13 says this. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. You know, one of the things I love about this verse is what it tells us about who our God is. You know, it's very clear in the scripture God says, we are not to lie. It's, it's commanded in the Bible. We are not supposed to lie. We're supposed to tell the truth. But here's what's so cool about God. God actually goes deeper than that. It doesn't just say, well, you shouldn't lie because I said so. But what I consistently find is that there's great reason why God tells us to do certain things. And so in this case, what God is saying is, if we want to have a long life, if we want to have a prosperous life, then actually we should tell the truth. And so what, I want to unpack this a little bit because the Bible has some great things to say on this subject of why it's good to tell the truth, or let me say it another way, why it's not good to not tell the truth. And I got, I got some fill-ins for you today. Actually, um, apparently, John and I were talking after the service, and I beat the all-time record for fill-ins. Um, he, his, he previously set the record of 16. We have 19 today, if you include the graph. And so I'm very excited about that. I'm not much of a fill-in guy, but now I hold the record, so... Um, Anyway, just mark this date on your calendar. This is a, a beautiful day in my life. Um, so here we go. Let's, let's, uh, let's track through this. Not telling the truth. The first thing is it increases stress. It increases stress. We're going to look at quite a few Proverbs today. These are beautiful wisdom sayings from the Bible in the Old Testament. Proverbs twelve thirteen says, The wicked are trapped by their own words. 
They're trapped by their own words, but the godly escape such trouble. So here's the deal. If you're lying, big, small, whatever, when you're lying, the, re- the reason that it can increase your stress levels is because you have to remember what it is that you've told certain people, right? You've got to remember all that stuff so that you don't get caught, so that you don't get caught by your own words. And there's a stress level. Maybe it's not that big of a deal, but there is an underlying stress level that happens. And you've got to ultimately worry about what? About getting caught, about your lie getting found out. So when you tell the truth, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about that. You just, this is who I am, this is what happened, and there you go. Stress levels decrease. Second thing, not telling the truth decreases accountability. It decreases accountability. This is probably my favorite one out of the five. Let me explain. So when you make a commitment that no matter what, in your life, always you are going to tell the truth, that holds you to a level of accountability within your actions. Because if you say something, you're going to do something, you have to do it, or else you're going to fess up and say why you didn't do it. So if I tell my wife that I'm coming home, I will be home at 6 o'clock for dinner, I can't just stay late putzing around the office doing stuff, whatever, and then just say I got caught in traffic. I got to... I gotta, be clear with her exactly why I was late. If I've made the commitment to tell the truth, it increases the level of accountability. Let me tell you something. If you're here this morning and like the idea of having high integrity and having great character is a big deal to you, like you're a person, you pride yourself in being a person of your word and you want to just ratchet that up even higher in your life, let me, all you got to do, make a commitment. I will never tell a lie. You make that commitment, it will increase the amount of accountability for you following through on your actions. It's great stuff. It's a personal accountability thing. It's great. Third thing, not telling the truth builds resentment. It builds resentment. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander. So we're supposed to get rid of resentment. We talked a lot about that last week with the whole forgiveness thing. Um, But here's the deal. When it comes to telling the truth, when we don't share our true thoughts with somebody else, when we don't fully get out there with, with what we're thinking on an issue and how we're feeling about an issue, that can lead to tremendous frustration and resentment. And this is particularly true if you're here and you, like me, are someone who is non-confrontational. You do not enjoy conflict. You don't, don't enjoy being direct a lot of times. So what this will ha- how this will play out is rather than to get into a big altercation or whatever, you would rather just kind of be like, you know what, I'm not even going to bring this up. It's not really that big of a deal. And you'll just swallow it. And then that thing goes down and it festers and it builds. And what happens is that then you'll end up just moping around, having a terrible attitude. Um, you know, you'll like, I get passive aggressive, you know, I mean, there, whatever that might look like for you. But the deal is that you haven't been able to fully share what's going on. And so you now are full of this bitterness and this resentment. And that is not a good thing. It's not healthy. Number four, not telling the truth impedes progress. It impedes progress. Proverbs 13, 17 says, reliable communication permits progress. I want you to circle that word reliable. You see, reliable communication, when we can tell the truth in all situations, especially in those relationships that mean the most to us, that we spend the most time involved in, when we can tell the truth, that helps relationships move forward. It helps them progress. So if you're in a relationship 
and you feel like, you know, maybe it's a relationship with a colleague, maybe it's a romantic relationship, maybe it's a good friend, maybe it's a family member, you know, whatever that, if you're in a relationship and you feel like there's just, it's just kind of stagnant, you know, like you, you don't feel like the relationship's going anywhere good, it's not moving forward. Maybe you guys aren't having reliable communication. Maybe there's some truth that needs to be told that will move the relationship forward. So I just encourage you to think about that because how is the other person supposed to change? How is that other person supposed to improve or do what they need to do if you're not sharing it with them? All right, last one. Not telling the truth destroys trust. Destroys trust. This is by far the biggest one destroys trust. Proverbs 11.3 says, honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. Dishonesty destroys trust. I'm going to ask quickly for three volunteers, just someone who's up close to the front here. Can I get three volunteers just to hop up on stage? I just need you for a minute. Uh, That'd be beautiful. One, two, three. Sorry, man. We lost you. We lost you. You can, you can just be up here, too, just for fun. Yeah, come on up, man. It's, it's all good. Let's have four. Why not? All right. So we have uh, we got some brothers up here. This will make for even better. Even better. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is shaping up nicely. And can you tell me, remind me of your name? Katie. Okay. So we've got Katie, we've got Ryan, and we've got Phil. All right. Now, everybody knows, and we're going we're gonna to role play just for a minute, that Ryan and uh, Katie are married. Okay, so you guys are married, and then Ryan and Phil are brother, truly are brothers in real life, as you can probably tell. Um, so so we, we know one thing for sure, okay? So Ryan and Katie are married, and if they get into a huge argument, fight, whatever, and, and they're lying to one another, and it's pretty obvious, and the other person finds out, there's tremendous trust that's broken, okay? I mean, that's obvious. If you catch someone lying to you, you know that that destroys trust. But what I want to illustrate is there's another way that lying can, can destroy trust in a relationship. So let's just suppose for a minute that uh, Ryan and Phil just get into a knockdown, drag out fight. I want you guys to reenact that right now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but let's just say, man, they are just, they are just seething with one another. And there's, there's something that blew up. And the way that Ryan decides to resolve it, okay, the way that Ryan decides to resolve it is he's like, you know what? If I just kind of make something up that will help to cover this up, this will diffuse the situation. It'll just be so much better. He won't be upset with me anymore. It just, it's just going to work out so much better. And so if Ryan lies to his brother Phil in that moment, okay, what does that communicate to his wife Katie? You know what that communicates to her? It's this, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What it communicates to her is in certain situations, Ryan would be willing to lie to avoid the consequences of whatever it is that he's facing. Did you understand how that works? So even though, you know, he might say, baby, I would never lie to you. You know, I mean, you're, you're my number one. I would never lie. But what he has communicated is that in certain situations, to his own brother, that he would, he would lie. So there could be a situation in his marriage where he would be willing to, to lie to avoid whatever it was. And so suddenly that starts to undermine the trust levels in the relationship, even though he never lied to her directly. Think about this in friendships. Think about this in other situations. If someone you know, they see you lying, that's communicating something to them. So there's some food for thought. Thank you very much. We appreciate you guys. Beautiful. All right. So those are five things, five reasons why God tells us, not just in Leviticus 19.11, don't lie, you shouldn't lie, but that if you want to live a life that's long and prosperous, 
then you've got to speak the truth. You've got to tell the truth to each other. All right. So we've established that. Now I want to talk about, so, okay, how do we get about the business of actually telling the truth? If we decide this isn't good for me, how do we go about telling the truth? The first thing we have to do is we have to figure out why we lie. Figure out why we lie. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, profound words. He said, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. What Jesus is, is getting at there is the words that come out of your mouth are actually driven by whatever you're thinking and believing and feeling deep down. Those communicate something. So when those words come out, there's something deeper that's going on there, and we need, to, we need to be in touch with that. We need to figure out why it is that we say certain kinds of lies. So what I've, got this little, I've got this little graph here, and what I want to do is, uh, is point out five different types of lies that we lie. And these five categories are, are courtesy of Rick Warren, who's the pastor uh, or is the author of the Purpose Driven Life book, if you've heard of that book. He's good at coming up with, with stuff like this. So he came up with these five types of lies, and I stole this from him. Um, so here we go. First type of lie is the cruel lie. The cruel lie. This type of lie is just plain evil, but man, does it feel good. Okay? So this is a lie that you would say, just, you, just, it just, you just make something up about somebody. Your, your primary purpose is just to tear them apart. This is the kind of lie you tell about your mother-in-law or you know, whoever that person is in your life that just drives you bananas. Uh, you, this is a lie that's just, it, it's just bad. It's pure evil. Uh, the reason that we tell the cruel lie, the deeper issue that's going on here, is anger, jealousy, and bitterness. That is the heart of the issue. We talked last week about one of the ways we deal with bitterness, and it's not by slamming somebody. It's by forgiving them in many cases. So that's the first one, the cruel lie. The second lie that we often tell, and this is one of the most common ones, is the cowardly lie. The cowardly lie. The cowardly lie is done to avoid consequences. We make something up because we don't want to deal with whatever ramifications there are going on. Um, so uh, my wife Becky and I, we have three kids, and our middle child, his name is Timmy, and he just turned four last month. Uh, well, when he was three, he, um, he was getting into this routine where he'd be the first one up, and he'd sneak out of his room, and he liked to kind of survey the house and see what's around, and, and the kid loves to eat. So he would go and see what he could find in the refrigerator and, and, and raid the pantry and stuff, and he'd try and get himself some food. So he goes down, three years old, he walks down, and he finds, all of a sudden it hits him. It hits him. He's like, you know, why should I eat cereal for breakfast in the morning if I can get to the ice cream, okay? Now, this is genius if you're three years old. I can't even imagine how that impacted him that morning when he thought about this. So he goes in, and we have one of those sideways opening freezers, so it's easy for him to get in. He gets two, like, just almost full cartons of ice cream, okay? I'm not, this is a true story. Believe me, I'm not lying on this day, okay? <laughs> so... He gets two full cartons of ice cream out, and, uh, and he's got the scooper and everything. He gets this, our biggest uh, mixing bowl, and he gets both the cartons of ice cream into the mixing bowl. Leaves the cartons on the floor and everything, you know, in the kitchen, whatever, and walks upstairs with the bowl into his room and sits on the floor and just having breakfast. Three years old. This could be the pinnacle, you know? Um, so my wife, uh, Becky, wakes up, and she hears Timmy moving around and stuff and hears noises, so she walks into his room. Well, as she starts to 
uh, walk into the room, he, he starts to hear her moving around. So he grabs his Spider-Man blanket off of his bed, and he quickly covers over the bolt. So he's sitting there, and she comes in, and I don't remember the exact exchange, but basically, you know, she's like, so Timmy, what, what's, what are you doing? Good morning. Good. Nothing, you know. Um, you want to come down for breakfast? No, I'm good. Um, what was he doing in that moment? He was, he was telling a cowardly lie. Why? Because he wanted to avoid the wrath of his mother in that moment, right? That's what, and the reason that we tell the cowardly lie is because we do it out of fear. That's our deeper reason. That's our deeper motivation. We're trying to avoid the consequences. Third type of lie, the conceited lie. The conceited lie. That's the lie that we tell to make it appear that we're more important to others than we really feel like we are in and of ourselves. So this lie, um, I would imagine, comes up some of the most times when we're meeting people for the first time, we're trying to make a really good impression, and we just kind of embellish a few things. Maybe you can relate to that, like being on a first date or, you know, whatever. Those are the types of, of places and situations where we, we just kind of go to that conceited lie area because it's just it's easier sometimes to make ourselves seem a little bit more important than we feel. The reason that we do that lie is because of insecurity. We're just not totally comfortable with who we are. We're insecure, and so we feel like we have to, we have to put on a little bit more of a show than, uh, than we feel inside. Fourth type of lie is the calculated lie. The calculated lie. This is a type of lie that is basically premeditated. It's predetermined. It's like before you even go and, and you know, engage in whatever lie you're going to do, you're already in the back of your mind. You have it ready in case you run into any sort of difficulty because you know exactly what you want to get, and you're going to do whatever it takes to obtain that thing. And so the calculated lie... The deeper issue going on there is greed and selfishness. We lie because we want to get what we want, and we do not want to be told no. Final one is the convenient lie. The convenient lie is told because just flat out, it's just easier than telling the truth. I mean, in the moment, it's just easy. The classic example of this is parents of young children, uh, where, you know, I'm thinking about my kids, and, like, if my four-year-old came up to me and he said, so, Dad how exactly does God make babies? You know, that's that moment where you're just like, I don't really want to get into the whole mechanics of that. that thing. He, you know, he's four years old. He doesn't need... So that's where you, know, you, you talk about the storks and other things like that. It's just easier, right? It's convenient. It's convenient. And the reason we, we lie in that way is because it's just out of laziness. It's out of laziness. We, we don't want to put the time in to think, how should we really think this thing through? How could we explain it in a way that's appropriate? It takes some work. It's just easier to be lazy and just be like, oh, I don't know. Um, whatever, make something up. All right, so those are the, the kind of five types of lies and the deeper underlying reason why we would go to those lies. Why we do that? We've, we, if we're going to tell the truth, we have to start with a deeper issue that Jesus talks about. We have to start what's going on deep down inside of us. And let me just say, this, is, this could be really difficult stuff because as you look at that little chart, you might... You, you, you'll, everyone knows where their big struggle areas are on this chart. And you'll look and you're like, I know, right? I'm cowardly lie. Or man, yeah, that, that conceited thing. I mean, I'm all over that, okay? Wherever that lie is for you, and all of a sudden, now you have a whole deeper thing that you've got to try and figure out. And so what I want to encourage you to do is if that's you, and you're looking at that deeper thing, is to start thinking and praying. Ask, first of all, ask for God's help with whatever that issue is. We're going to have a prayer team over there right after the service. If you want to come down and have somebody pray for you, that's a great first step. From there, you know, start to explore some research, uh, resources. 
Maybe do a little research. Do a Google search on that topic, whatever that deeper issue is, and start to figure out how do I get in touch with that? How do I address that issue? So, yeah, it's, it's not easy, but we, we really, really need to tackle this issue. So you might be saying, okay, I get what you're saying. Um, Bible seems to make a pretty convincing case that, that lying is not good for me and, um, you know, that there's some deeper issues going on. So, okay, fine. How do I, practically speaking, so what does it look like? Because I don't just want to go up and all of a sudden I'm like Jim Carrey on Liar Liar and just ever, it's just blowing up relationships all over the place. So how do we tell the truth in a practical way? What does it look like so it doesn't cause tremendous more stress and difficulty and blow everything up around me? Let's look at that. The Bible has some amazing things to say about this. These are my final two points. So how to tell the truth? We tell the truth lovingly. We tell the truth lovingly. Ephesians 4.15 tells us to speak the truth in love. You might have heard this before. Speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. That's how we're supposed to speak the truth. In love. Now you may be saying, okay, great, I've heard that before. That sounds good. What does that mean? Like, does that mean I have a smile on my face? Does that, what, what does that mean, like, to just tell somebody the truth in love? Well, let's go down a few more verses in Ephesians chapter 4 to verse 29. Because here's the how. And let me tell you, for me, the whole sermon, it, it boils down to this one, for, like, this is the nugget of Scripture. Like, if there is one verse that you can memorize that can help you to be a better communicator in your relationships, how do I tell the truth? What does it look like, practically speaking? This is the verse. Ephesians 4.29. This is worth the whole hour of the service, in my opinion, right here. It says, speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So what speaking the truth in love looks like, practically speaking, is you're speaking not to build yourself up, okay? Not because you just can't wait to unload some truth on somebody, okay? You just can't wait. I mean, you are just dying to let's just nail somebody. That's not it. You, you've totally missed it. If that's why you're unleashing some truth, completely missed what the Bible says about speaking the truth in love, Okay? Speak only what is helpful for building others up. It's for them. It's to build them up. It's to help them out. That's speaking the truth in love. Our primary motivation, according to this verse, Ephesians 4.29, our primary motivation or the, the question that we should ask, if you want to know, well, am I speaking the truth in love here? Here's the question. Who am I trying to benefit? Who am I trying to benefit? Am I trying to benefit me? I mean, is this just about me feeling a whole lot better once I've got this off my chest? Or that it may benefit those who listen, that it may benefit the other person. When you're speaking the truth in love, you're thinking about that other person. You're thinking about what they need. You're thinking about how they're going to receive it. You're thinking, is this going to be something that, how can I speak this truth in a way that's helpful to them? You guys catching what we're saying here? This is how we speak the truth in love. I encourage you, memorize that verse, Ephesians 4.29. Use it in all the ways that you communicate with other people, especially in the relationships closest to you. All right, last one. Tell the truth wisely. Tell the truth wisely. Proverbs 12.18. Careless words stab like a sword, but the words of wise people bring healing. We have to choose our words wisely. You know, we're not, we're not supposed to go out of here and walk out like Jim Carrey in Liar Liar with no filter. I mean, 
there's a reason that God gives you a brain, okay, to be able to use it for times like this. Proverbs 16.23 says, From a wise mind comes wise speech. From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Why are the words of the wise persuasive? Because they think before they talk. Right? So before you just open your mouth and just let some brilliant truth fly, why don't we think about what we're going to say? Now, here's the example that I have for you on this. Uh, when I graduated from college, I graduated as a business major, and uh, I started working in Cincinnati for uh, Arthur Anderson uh, Consulting. And so it's a huge consulting firm. And, uh, you know, as an entry-level employee, you know, you basically just did whatever people told you to do, get the coffee, get the donuts, shred lots of documents, if you guys remember the Arthur Anderson thing. That's why I left. It was too boring, just shredding documents all day. But um, anyway, no, just kidding. But, um, yeah, so... Um, but anyway, so one of the things that you did as a, as a first-year consultant was you spent a tremendous amount of time working on presentations, on proposals, because that was everything in consulting, right? So the, the partner would go and would make a pitch to the CEO of some company about why the company needed our services, needed the consulting services. We, the, the entry-level consultants, would spend like hundreds of hours putting together presentations. I cannot tell you how much time and attention went into one presentation. Everything from what is the company colors? What are, what are, what is the, what's the logo look like? What we would think, we would try and get inside the mind of the client and say, what in each of these slides, what in the, our words we're using, what is, what, how can we convey the fact that we, we need this sale and to, to convince them that they need to, uh, to, to hire us? And so we were constantly thinking, what would get their buy-in? What would make sense to them? How would they, you know, how would we convince them that, that we need to be the ones that they would hire. There was so much time that went into planning presentations. We would never dream, okay, and think about this in your own context, okay? You would never dream in your workplace of just walking in when you had, like, the biggest presentation of your career, right, or the biggest sales call or whatever it is. You would never dream of just walking in and winging it, right? You'd never dream of that. Plan it out meticulously. You'd rehearse it. You would think about it. Yet how many times... Do we walk into a key relationship in our life and we just totally wing it right off the cuff? I mean, we're just amped up right in the moment, totally keyed up, and we just let somebody have it. We're not thinking at all about what we were going to say in advance, right? So here's what I want you to encourage you. How we tell the truth wisely, I'd encourage you to plan your presentation and your relationships too. And what I mean by that, it kind of goes back to Ephesians 4.29, but it's the idea of starting to think about the other person and thinking, what is going to help them, you know, to understand my point here? What's going to help them to understand my truth? What is in, in what I say is going to resonate with them? What's going to be an example that they can use and they're not going to power up and get all defensive about? What's going to be productive for them? It's thinking that through, planning it out before you just jump in and just boom, here's the truth. Okay? That is how we tell the truth wisely. Now listen. The stuff we're talking about today, it's not easy, okay? God never said that it was easy to tell the truth, but ultimately, it's for our good. It's going to help us. It's going to help the relationships that we're in. John 8, 32, uh, Jesus is captured saying these words, uh, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, I want to 
challenge you guys as we are concluding this series. Um, I want to challenge you to commit your life to being a truth teller. It's telling the truth in all circumstances and situations. Especially if you look back on those five things, those five things that, that hold us back, that hold our relationships back by not telling the truth. Commit yourself today for the rest of your life to live a lifestyle where you would tell the truth. Not just blowing people away, but to tell the truth in love and to tell the truth with tremendous wisdom. I'd also be remiss if, uh, just as we close here, if I didn't share with you something that has just really been so powerful for me. And that's just thinking about, as we look back on this series, we have dealt with some really difficult topics. We've, when we talk about love being a decision, loving people, doing things in spite of how we might feel, practicing patience when we don't have any more patience, loving people when we feel like they don't deserve it, forgiving somebody when there's nothing inside of us that wants to forgive, telling the truth when really it'd be much easier to just make up something, okay? These things are difficult things. Here's the good news, my friends. This is one of the reasons why we're here this morning, is we are gathered here because we confess a truth. And that truth is that we are not alone in this game. We are not alone to have to do this tough stuff on our, you know, in our own strength, in our own power. The truth is, the truth that sets us free is that God our Father sent his son to this earth, not just to give us some great motivational sayings and to give us a bunch of things to, to think about and to chew on, but he actually came to this earth to live a perfect life that we couldn't live so that by dying on a cross for our sins, if we ask for forgiveness in his name, we are forgiven and we're in a perfect relationship with our Father. And here's the kicker on top of that, that then Jesus says he promises us the spirit of truth that would come into our lives, that would actually, the Holy Spirit of God would dwell inside of us and would help us to have power and confidence to do things that we can't do in our own strength, that we may not want to do in our own strength. That truth today, my friends, is that that's available to every single one of us. There are many here who have confessed our faith in Jesus Christ. We've asked for his forgiveness. We've asked him into our heart. And we have forgotten about the power of the Spirit inside of us. We've forgotten. And, and right now we're thinking, how am I going to do some of this stuff we've been talking about the last two months? Well, we've got to turn and ask God for his help. There are some of you who are here and you haven't taken that step, I cannot encourage you enough. It's one of the greatest steps of your entire life. It's just to say, God, I cannot fully do everything that I need to do without your help. So just invite Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior. Ask for forgiveness of your sins in his name. And God will send his Spirit to help you. That is the good news. That is the truth, my friends. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Um, it's a great reminder in the midst of common public misperception that it's always good to tell the truth. Lord, help us. We know that when we don't tell the truth, it holds us back in so many ways from the freedom that we have just to follow you. God, help us to see how you know, we might fit into those categories of lies and help us to deal with some of those deeper things that are going on that, um, that we need to address, God. Help each person to figure that out. And then, God, send us out um, to, to be people who speak the truth in love, thinking of the other person, thinking before we speak, choosing wise words to share the truth in love. And, God, I just pray 
for every single person in this room, God, we need you, Jesus. We need you and your power and your spirit. We can't do all that. This is not all natural for us as human beings. We need your help. We need your power. So come into our lives, God, and help us. Give us what we need. For those who have never trusted you as Savior, Jesus, Lord, we confess. And if you're here right now and, and, and this is you, just say with me, I confess that I have fallen short, that I need you, Jesus, in my life. I confess my sins. I thank you and um, look forward to your spirit coming to live inside of me. And Lord, um, we thank you for that truth and that promise. Send us all out and uh, yeah, we just praise you in Christ's name. Amen.